Good morning. Good morning. Um, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I am so excited to bring this word this morning. When Mike asked me to preach, I was like, all right, yeah, we can do this. All right, this is awesome. And so I'm going to open with a scripture because that's what that's what Mike does. So I figure like that's like a cool thing to do. And so my opening scripture is from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, and this is what it says. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful day that we can be in your house. God, we thank you for your love. You are such a good Father. And so, God, I pray that as I bring this message, you would help me. And, God, that this message would really go into people's hearts. They would grab a hold of how much... You love them. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, happy Father's Day again. And when I thought about the message that I wanted to bring today, there was really only one message that I wanted to bring. And that is really how much God the Father loves you. It's really how he feels about you. And so the title for today's message is The Father's Love. But actually the subtitle, and the subtitle for today's message is so Father's Love, The Father's Love. Subtitle, God is not mad at you. <laughs> and so you might be thinking, um, I don't know, maybe he is. Maybe you're thinking, like, I've messed up pretty bad. But um, we're going to read in our Bible story today about a guy who messed up really bad. And we're going to see how his dad treated him. So in Luke 15, um, we see that the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to what he had to say. And so we know that the religious leaders were there too, because the Bible tells us that they were muttering (laughs) about the people that Jesus was hanging out with. They were not impressed. And so Jesus told the crowd three parables. And a parable is just a story that teaches a lesson. And so one parable was about a lost sheep, and one was about a lost coin, and the third parable was about a lost son. And that is the one that we're going to focus on today because it really shows us how God the Father feels about us. Okay, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, and this parable goes from verse 11 to 31. I'm going to read the whole thing. So while I'm reading it, I just really want you to, like, use your imagination and picture sitting there with Jesus. You've got your tax collectors, you've got your sinners, you've got your religious leaders, and this is the story that Jesus is telling. It it starts in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. 
He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat. So I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So let's look at the beginning of the story. There was a man. He had two sons. Now I have three sons that this man in the story only two. And the younger son said to his father, Father, please give me... No, he didn't say please. Sorry, let me, let me start with <laughs> Father, give me my share of the estate. So it sounds pretty innocent to me. Like, I'm imagining Oliver Twist in the movie and he's got his empty bowl and he just goes up to the man, Please, sir, I want some more. <laughs> and it just sounds so nice and innocent. Just giving my share of the estate. But really, what the son was saying is, um, if you were dead, I would get an inheritance. But you're not, and I wish you were. But since you're not, I want some money. So can you just give me what's coming to me now? Mm. And so we learn in Deuteronomy 21 that the firstborn son would get a double portion, two-thirds, and the younger son would get one-third. So he's saying... Everything that you work for, that you still are using and everything, I just want a third of it so that I can have it, even though you are still living. Now, like I said, I have three sons, and if one of my sons came to me and Mike and said, I want part of what you've worked for, and I don't want to wait until you're dead, I want it now, um, I would not be happy. <laughs> and I would say no. <laughs> Astonishingly, the father in the story divided his property between his sons. He gave the son what he asked for. God is not like me. He's not like us. And it reminds me of the verse in Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. The father in the story is kind and patient with the son. Even when the son is making bad decisions and disrespecting the father, the father is generous with him. And that's how God treats us. Even when we're messing up, even when we're doing the wrong thing, he is kind to us and generous to us. So the next part of the story is this. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
there are times in all of our lives that we turn our back on God. The Bible says that every one of us has done wrong. We've all sinned, and every sin separates us from God. Like the sun, we set off for a distant country far away. But the truth is that even though we turn from God and feel far away from Him, He is always with us. In Hebrews 13.5, God says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God will never leave you. No matter what you do, He will never give up on you. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always. Even when you feel alone, you are not. Jesus promises to be with you always. Sometimes the lost son in this story is called the prodigal son. And uh, maybe you've heard that word before. And I kind of thought it meant like rebellious or like he leaves and comes back. Um, But I didn't actually know what it meant. So I looked it up. And it turns out the Oxford Dictionary defines prodigal as spending money or using resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. And that reminds me of this TV show that I used to watch back in the 80s called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like the cribs of its day. Um, they had this host, his name was Robin Leach, and he used to like show you these like fabulous mansions and all these things, and it was crazy, right? Yeah. And uh, there was once this person who had built himself a limo, and in the limo was a hot tub, and so he could like be in the hot tub riding down the road in this limo. <laughs> I think could be cool, but probably also a little wastefully extravagant. And so it's very possible. That the lost son had made himself a hot tub limo, but we don't actually know that from scripture. So. <laughs> okay, back to the story. Surprise, surprise! All this wasteful extravagance left the son with nothing. He spent everything on that limo hot tub, and there was a famine in the country, and he was in need, so he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. And what was his job? His job was to feed the pigs, which is not really good for a Jewish boy who's not even allowed to eat bacon. Um, He lost everything, and he was reduced to feeding pigs. And it gets worse. He was so hungry. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the pig food. Like, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And uh, I just... I just like little things like this. So I looked it up, like, what kind of pods was he wanting to eat that he didn't get to have? And it turns out they're carrot pods from the carrot tree, and they look kind of like a really dark brown pea pod. He really wanted to eat them, but no one even gave him any food. So the younger son found himself at the end of a dead-end road. He had left his family. He had left his country. He had wasted everything he had. He had nothing. No home, no food. Sin leads nowhere but death and destruction. When we turn away from God and follow our selfish desires, it does not lead us where we want to go. The life that God has for us is full, abundant, and beautiful. So after all this, he came to his senses and realized he would be better off going back home and asking his father to hire him as a servant. So he decided that he would say this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against 
you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So how do we follow this son, the lost son, the prodigal son? How do we follow his example to turn back to God? In my mind, there are two steps. Number one is this. Decide. You need to look at your life, and you need to recognize your need for God. In verse 18, he says, I will set out and go back. And step one is decide. Step two is do it. After you recognize your need for God, you need to do something about it. Repent. Humble yourself. Admit what you did wrong. And ask for forgiveness. That's right. In verse 20, it tells us, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Okay, so the father sees him. How is that possible? Well, I think that he must have been looking for him all along. I think he must have been wanting and expecting him to come back. He was looking for him. Was he filled with rage at what the son had done? No. He was filled with compassion for him. Did he wait for his son to walk all the way back? The walk of shame? No. He ran to him. Did he fix him with what my children refer to as the death stare? <laughs> when I just like look at them like I am really bad at you right now. No. Okay. <laughs> no, he didn't give him the death stare. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. So the son starts in on his speech. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The son said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but our worth is not in what we do, but in who we are. Come on. It is God who calls us his children. And the father here says, this son of mine, he claimed him as he had always done. First John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God is our Father. And He lavishes love on us by claiming us as His children. He looks at you and says, This son of mine. He looks at you and says, This daughter of mine. He sees you. He is filled with compassion for you. He longs to run to you throw his arms around you, and kiss you. Not only does he accept you, he restores you. So after he ran to the son and hugged him and kissed him, he had four gifts for the son. The first gift was the best robe. So this makes me think of the robe of righteousness that we receive when we accept Christ. He forgives us and covers us and puts his righteousness on us. The second gift that he received was the ring. So I have a ring, and it identifies that I am married to that cute boy right there. And the ring ring that the father gave the son, it really represented his identity as a son of the family. 
When we accept Christ, the Father calls us his child and gives us the authority of that position. The third thing that the son received was sandals. So working as a servant in a far-off country, he had no sandals on his feet. Um, I imagine that on the journey home, his feet probably got really cut up and torn up, and the father wanted to provide for him, to protect him, and also to show again his position as a son and not a servant. God cares about what you need, and he provides for you. So the fourth thing that the uh, father gave the son was a feast, and they even had a very special and reserved fattened calf. They were like saving it for like a really good occasion. They were like feeding it candy bars, and they were like, please get that because we really want to eat you. And so they had this big party. They killed the fattened calf. There was food and music and dancing, and they were partying like it was 1999. So Luke 15.10 says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God is not waiting to say, I told you so. Mm. He celebrates over every person who repents and turns back to him. He is a father who lavishes us with love. God is not mad at you. So at the end of the parable, the older son finds out that the brother is back and the father has thrown him a party. He is angry and he is jealous. He just wanted a young goat and the younger brother gets the fat and Catholic. What is up with that? <laughs> so is the father upset with the older son? No. He pleaded with him to join their celebration. He calls him my son and says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the older brother was mad because the younger brother didn't deserve to be welcomed back. And he was right. None of us deserve the grace that God gives us. It is favor and blessing that we didn't earn. The grace of God is a gift that he gives freely. We are not good enough to earn it. It's really a gift from him. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't earn God's grace. You can't be good enough to save yourself. No matter what you've done, God is ready to welcome you back with open arms. He loves you. God is not mad at you. He's a good father who loves his children and gives good gifts to his children. So I'm going to share a time in my life that I was far away from God and how he welcomed me back. When I was in high school, I had been a Christian pretty much my whole life, but I started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And even though I loved God and I went to church every Wednesday and every Sunday, I started to kind of like walk a little further away, a little further away, and I kind of turned my back on him, even though I knew he was there, and I just chose to do things that I knew were not right. I started doing things that I knew I shouldn't do. I started um, lying to my parents, which you should not. Not <laughs> and here I was and loved God. I was a Christian, but I was turning my back on him. And I was walking away from him. 
boyfriend, and he was no good. But he, <laughs> looking back, like, what was I thinking? But he, he broke up with me, and I was very sad. Yeah, I was very sad. And I was feeling very broken. And I was feeling very hopeless. And I was feeling a lot of shame. Because when you know the way that God wants you to walk, and you're choosing not to do it, it's not a good feeling. And so I was feeling shame, I was feeling broken, and I decided that summer that I would go to youth camp. And I was part of the youth group, and I'd never been to youth camp before, and I was like, okay, I'll go to youth camp. So I went to youth camp, and here I am. I'm feeling very bad. I'm feeling very broken. I'm feeling full of shame, and I'm feeling just kind of like dirty and gross. And so I went went to the service one night, and I really can't tell you what they preached on. And I really can't tell you what he said in the altar call. All I know is that I went forward and I knelt down on the ground and I just said, God, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I walked away from you. I'm really sorry for the things that that I've done. And in that moment, I just felt so sorry and so bad. And Jesus just came to me and he wasn't mad at me. He just loved me. And he kind of like wrapped his arms around me. And when I told him that I was sorry, I felt his forgiveness in a way that was so real to me. It was like he literally washed my sins away. And I felt love from him that I had never felt in my whole life. And I felt love that I have never forgotten. Is the love of God is very real. It changes you. And so there I was on the floor, on my knees, and I was crying, like, <laughs> crying, like, so hard because it was like letting everything out. And when I got up off the floor, it was like I felt like a new person. I had come to Jesus full of my shame and my dirt and how bad I felt. And when I went to him and I gave him all my junk, I gave him all my dirt, and he just washed it away. He forgave me, and he loved me. And that love of God has never left me to this day. It has been like the mark of my life that I know and believe 100% that God loves me, that he is for me. And that is what I want to share with you today, that God loves you. He is not mad at you. He really wants you to come to him. So if there is an area in your life that you have run from God, decide to turn back to him and then do it. Admit what you've done wrong and ask him to forgive you. He will welcome you back and restore you. If you are walking with God, take some time to thank him for his love and grace in your life. Remember that you didn't earn it by being good enough. If someone that you love is far from God, don't give up on them. God loves them. He sees them. He is filled with compassion for them. So you should not give up on them. You should keep praying for them, and you should show them the love of God. So let's reread our opening verse and think about it in the context of the Father in our story. Isaiah thirty eighteen says this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. 
Blessed are all who wait for him.